Hi, I'm Mona, and welcome to this first episode of Cafe Society. So, as the current situation in Europe has escalated in the last 24-36 hours, with the military invasion of Ukraine by Putin's regime, the specter of the darkest hours of the continent and the world's history is raising concerns and questions. This is what today's episode is about. We are trying to understand the origins of this conflict with my IB Global Politics class, and we're trying to answer some of these questions in this discussion. So two things that are very important to say. First of all, this that we're talking about today is as of today. Obviously, news are coming up every second, every minute, every hour. So this is as of today, Friday the 25th. Um, 11 a.m. And second, unfortunately, the quality of the audio is not good at all because um, it was a recording with multiple people in the room, but it still is something that's really worth talking about. And I think it's just really, really important. So the audio is this way, but it's still very interesting. And I think everyone just needs to listen to something like this, try to be aware of everything that's going on right now. Good listening. See you next week. Some little moments will feel real like that. But yeah, as you guys remember where we left off, it was kind of like Putin's entered Ukraine and the pretense of peacekeeping, but only in that eastern region where they are separatists. Um, and since then, he just bombed Kiev like early in the morning yesterday, has, and now just every moment things progress. So basically, what it seems like from my perspective is kind of calling NATO's bluff of how much do you guys care about Ukraine, um, which is a fair question because I think all of the European and, and U.S. and New Zealand and Australian countries are kind of asking themselves the question: Do we care enough about Ukraine? to risk our men, to risk our economy, that's already still really bad from this corona and all that, um, to defend Ukraine. And realistically, I think a lot of countries are thinking, no, like 26% of the US support like actually going in to help with men, a really low number. Um, but then it's that thing we talked about with appeasement though. On the other hand, are you okay with just giving Russia, letting Russia over to Russia will, we are going to talk about how brave and how amazing Ukraine's been doing, but realistically, in terms of looking at Russia's abilities, and also there's always that scary thing of, you know, that like, if someone has nothing to lose, it's like a lot scarier, and Russia really will, will die on this hill. Um, so, Ukraine is doing the best that they can, and we'll look at these situations. I think it's also easy in these times to just focus on the darkness. I'm trying to focus on light things, not light things, like not heavy, but like bright spots coming out of Ukraine and Russia, because I've seen, and what's also ironic, sorry, I'm all over the place, but this kind of how my brain's working. I'm waking up at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., just looking at the things, but like, remember, Russia's whole pretense is to liberate Ukraine. The people of Ukraine are so much more free than the people in Russia. So one thing to bring up too is that what's happening in Russia now are these mass protests. 1,700 people have already been arrested, and, and sometimes it's worse than they'll be tortured. Many will never be seen again. But Russian people are coming out in giant bodies to protest this war. Like they're not on board with that. I have a video too of the way Putin speaks to like his advisors who are openly scared of him. So Russian people are very, very oppressed. 
there's a lot of censorship. You aren't allowed to protest against what the government's doing, against censorship, um, whereas Ukraine is free. So it's also that ironic thing of you're freeing a free people who have much more liberties than your people do. Um, so yeah, bringing up good parts of Ukraine. But basically, it's saying like, yeah, the US, New Zealand, every European country probably doesn't want to risk hundreds of thousands of men to, to defend Ukraine. Really, there's not a close tie. People are impressed with Ukraine, but they're not in the EU, they're not in NATO. Um, so there's no legal like reason to be backing them. Whereas if another NATO country was bombed, all of NATO would have to retaliate. They don't have to. So it's kind of like Putin saying, I don't think you guys are going to risk your economies or risk your men for this. Um, which is fair, but at the same time, it's, would you, if you give him Ukraine, because if he goes in and overtakes Ukraine, which is probably the case again, Ukraine's spreading the world. So amazing if Ukraine just military ends up pushing them back completely without any actual manpower. They are getting help as far as weapons and money and, and people trying to put sanctions on Russia, but they're saying if Russia takes Ukraine, would you stop it? Or is this just a classic appeasement situation? And is every democratic state going to be okay with just letting a democracy be overtaken by a dictatorship? Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Yes, Jess? Are you still fighting for that one person now? All of Ukraine now. So that's why it's like crazy too. And then it's even in that crazy speech we were talking about where Putin went off, he mentioned too, like, <laughs> and I don't think like Estonia should be free, and I don't think Russia, and I don't think the Palladium, so it's a thing of, it doesn't look like you stopping in Ukraine. What's making this extra insane is like, Nobody has any idea what Putin will do. And Putin really has nothing to lose at this point. In fact, the opposite, he's like such a proud person that it's not just going to be like, oh, LL never mind, let me retreat. It's like he knows that he's also pretty old, too. It might be like a mic drop move where it's like his final thing will be taking back this land that he always felt like they owned. But as you guys are maybe keeping a pulse on, otherwise, you know, we'll certainly go through it today. There's very few people, even within Russia, that are thinking this is a good idea. Yes. Yeah, like also like they're not part of NATO, so they, like the other nations have no obligation, like the U.S. or like the Great Britain, they have no obligation of getting into the Ukraine conflict. But like it's an undermining of the values of democracy. Mm -hmm. So like they have, and that says they have an obligation to protect democracy if they're like a democratic country. Exactly, and it's really not as simple too. It's like the best thing you can maybe do at this moment is give Putin an off-ramp, meaning give him a way to save face and stop. Like kind of, if you guys are familiar with the Cuban Missile Crisis, what JFK and the Russian leader at the time did was agree to, all right, this guy will take and the US focuses on, oh yeah, and Russia took their missiles out of Cuba. Well, the US also they would take missiles out of Turkey. And that was the thing where the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Russian leader, didn't feel like he just backed down to JFK, he got something out of it too. So it is kind of tempting to just say, well, just tell him like that Ukraine will never be a NATO because it's really, really unlikely. Because think of it too, if you have a, an agreement with someone, if this whole class is like, all right, if someone punches me, then you all need to punch them back, right? That's like what NATO is. If someone attacks any of us, we all need to defend that person. If there's a person in the class that's constantly picking fights and constantly kind of looking like they're gonna get attacked, NATO's really not looking, like, ultimately, they're not looking to get into a world war. So they already, from the jump, are like, Ukraine might, like, actually, we might actually have to do it with Ukraine, whereas it doesn't really seem likely that with Spain or with France or something. So NATO's never really been super jazzed to have them, but NATO's whole point is Russia can't decide who's in NATO. Like, Ukraine gets decided, we get decided, but we're just not going to completely take it off the table. An easy thing to do is just completely take it off the table and just be like, all right, you win then. We're not going to have a World War III. Ukraine won't be in NATO. We'll still protect them. They're still a democracy. 
But it's not that simple because it's not just Ukraine. They focus on that. But Putin also says that countries that are already in it need to be taken off too. Like Romania, um, like Estonia, like other countries too. And they're just saying, okay, well, that's just, we're supposed to be NATO, right? We're supposed to be the strongest countries in the world, and we're just completely letting Putin decide to kind of in so that's kind of what's happening now, and then I just have a bunch of like news clips and things clips, but if anything you guys want to particularly remember, maybe we can stop after each one, but I have like great things happening in Ukraine, great things happening from the Russian people. I have a thing of Putin telling off one of his advisors, and basically just how scary he is, um, and that also just shows even his advisors are, are kind of like really shaken up by him. And then I love Jake Tapper, he's a CNN guy, and, and he just talks to a lot of different people about what's going on, and that's from two hours ago. So I'm trying to keep this as recent as possible because even six hour things are quickly outdated. Yeah, so I, like Ukraine was right in the sense of wanting to be so part of NATO because they, like, they knew eventually they're going to be attacked by Russia. So in that yeah. sense, they knew like what, like eight years ago that they should be part of NATO. Yeah. So, and that also shows the appeasement too of, of Crimea. Like it's something where, all right, just give Putin that and he won't want anymore. And you'll see all he got as you guys explained with like a little kid at the grocery store. What that four-year-old hears is, I get what I want if I keep asking for it, or if I keep pushing for it. Yeah, I have like two things to say. I'm like, um, a lot of people think that like this issue mostly like affects Europe as a whole because at the end of the day, like, it's like the West versus Russia and China. It's like the U.S. Canada in a way, and then all of Western and Eastern Europe mostly against Russia and China. But the thing is, like, this conflict, although it might not directly like in a military sense affect like the countries around the world it, it actually does for example like i was reading this article from like a lebanese news source and it was like um like lebanon's like through a big like social political economic like downfall and it's going through like one of the worst like waves of its like entire existence and ukraine supplies 50 percent of its um grain and wheat and there's already been food shortages but like now with russia attacking ukraine you can like going into like a full state of emergency and war, Lebanon won't be able to get the same amount of grain and then that'll also cause like a bigger issue in Lebanon. That just shows like the interconnectedness and like interdependence between the countries. Yeah. Uh, and like the second thing is like it also this issue kind of brought up to like how corrupt the UN is in a way, not corrupt, but maybe in a way um. it's like unbalanced, like with Russia being like the president of the Security Council not only like being present and controlling what's being talked about, it has veto power. So I don't think the UN will ever reach a point in resolving this resolution. It's going to be like more of a way that like outside organizations like NATO, but no one's really going to war against Russia. Like if you look at everyone's speeches, they all talk about sanctions. Mm -hmm. So again, yeah, they're all really hesitant, as Putin calculated they would be, yeah. about actually going. He was saying like, are you going to actually go to war over Ukraine? And he's thinking, no, I mean, maybe you remember some good points. I, I'm always struggling with you guys to make sure that things that happen in Europe aren't world history, because they're European history, right? But there's a reason why World War I, World War II, this is being called World War III, because what you said, it's happening in Europe, but it's affecting everyone. Um, more so than maybe wars in Africa have happened. Those were like wars on a particular continent, but they didn't have giant ramifications the way wars happening in Europe do, because then too, it's been pretty telling and scary that China's not really condemned this very hard, so that's kind of speaking to what they kind of feel about Taiwan, or perhaps this does turn really global, what side China would have, and so that's getting Asia's countries involved, and also kind of reminds me of 
Kuhn's speech before he bombed Kia, where he just saw that it's very scary, and he ends up with saying like, any country that interferes will be, um, what was it, like have consequences they've never experienced before, which is basically just hinting we will atomic bomb people, um, and saying that he's considered all of the angles and he's okay with it. So again, it's very much fun. He's saying, I hope you hear me. So it's a thing where it's directly threatening everyone who steps in. And I think what NATO and what all the countries are thinking is like, he will do it. So if we help out Ukraine, which is really not helping out Ukraine, it's more helping out the principle of democracy, is that we're DC being atomic bomb? Is that we're then us retaliating on Russia when we're seeing all the Russian citizens being like, we don't want this either. So it's just, yeah, it's like a global scale. Z. Yeah, and also like another interesting one is a few days ago, like the Pakistani prime minister went to Russia and basically like, it was for, it was not for this obviously, it was for like a steam gas line that he won. And everyone is like so mad because basically he's still there and he's still like meeting with Putin. And so basically he sided with, with Russia now. Which then kind of involves India, which yeah. is siding with the other side. So it does quickly turn into a domino world war. And like the US like foreign minister made a comment on it and everything. And basically like, it's just like so like polarized and like, it's really scary actually. It's super scary. It's again, it's, it's so scary that it just, Feels dumb. Like it's a thing where it doesn't feel like anything because it is so scary. Since Russia is like the second biggest producer of natural gas in the world, wouldn't that also just lead to energy shortages after yeah. yeah, yeah, gas prices in Europe are like insane right yeah. now, too. 30% yeah. more, 30% more. And like I think Germany and many other countries that supply gas from Russia, it's all 30% more. And it's also like in Biden's speech, he's like, but don't worry, like for the US, like, we, like the petrol stations are allowed to tax you more or like make you pay more. But it's like, Nothing you can really control if you don't have a lot of gas. Like. Right, and it's something where it like, really pushes like the reliance on electric cars, but it's too short to really do that. And I'm not like big on stocks. I have like a little bit of my stocks, but I was like, let's see what yeah, that, like, the stocks are. I was like up four thousand dollars at one point. I'm down like a hundred. Like all the stocks just like crashed, and so yeah, this is without even the war extending beyond Russia and Ukraine has had giant economic ramifications on a global scale. Like the Russian stock price uh, prices are down 45% in one day. Like that's like crazy. Like kind yeah. of and look, again, I don't have a lot of money in stocks. Mine is just like playing money because it can be fun sometimes. But some people have like their life savings in stocks and they're looking at that like, oh my God, what is going on? So but I feel like so many people's concerns, especially people that don't really read about the issue, are really concerned about like a nuclear war happening. And although like that like Russia has so much nuclear power, it's also like I think there's other things that you should worry about first, like how it's gonna affect other economies and like societies rather than like because I don't think it's that probable that like I mean maybe they won't point out. Because it's just like what we talked about in the first unit, how the world is so robust and dependent, it doesn't make sense for it. it would just ruin everything. Yeah. Totally, and I think that's what most of normal-minded people have and it's the reason it's it's just Putin is very unhinged and he's very much like into power and not looking weak so the fact that he said that threat just means he'll probably kill but yeah it makes no sense of shooting himself in the foot right now he's shooting himself in the foot like to have this power from Ukraine like Maddie said the Russian stocks are down and it's interesting again I've been reading this on stuff but like routes that countries are looking to take that the U.S., for example, is not willing to have American men die and women die in Ukraine, but they're doing these like really intense cyber attacks trying to like disrupt railroad tracks in Russia and trying to, and Russia's doing that as well. The Ukraine state like website's been down for a while, Russia's launching cyber attacks. We're also living in this crazy new world where these cyber attacks could 
like Sol said, maybe it's not an atomic bomb scare, but it's something where all of the economy would just completely shut down. It'll be like a, not a big giant bomb explosion, but people aren't having access to food for a long time. People don't have access to water, people don't have access to gas. So even though a lot of people in Ukraine now, you can see there's like lines and lines of people trying to leave the city, but some aren't because they're saying, we don't know if our car's gonna run out of gas on the way out, and suddenly we're just gonna be stuck in the open um, with no way to get gas and no way to escape Ukraine, and that's like a big concern too. So, I also read So at this point, if they pull out, their GDP is just going to take a huge hit. They're going to lack in so many ways, and there's no real bouncing back anytime soon for them. Yeah, that's a really good point. Remember that video we watched in Crimea too, of them being like so excited, and then once it happened, all like they lost a ton of money, and the people in Crimea were like, oh, we kind of regret anyone who like agreed with this originally. But we covered up a good point a lot of times when I was seeing Google, and I was just thinking of like with a little kid, or even myself, you know when you get in those like situations where you get so amped up and you get so mad about something, and you realize it's not, you're wrong, but you're like too high up already to be like, okay, I was wrong. It's like, it's really hard to come back down. I think, yeah, he's, he, and I mean, I'm not suggesting he thinks he's wrong, so very much think he's right, but like, because it's, if his entire, like, not life, like, thing is his reputation and looking strong, He's in too deep at this he's point. He's threatened nuclear attacks in the US. He said that Ukraine belongs, so for better, unless he's like assassinated, like for better, Russia is, he's the leader of Russia and he's in it. Like whether or not the rest of Russia is, which they're not. Again, like you saw that, remember when we watched the video of Russia and they're asking about, do you think anything happened in Ukraine? They were like, we're worried about the economy right now. We're worried about COVID. We're worried. None of them are really waking up being like, Ukraine should be ours. Like they don't care, but he does, and he's in it super deep at this point. So, also, I think the thing with Crimea, we kind of, in a way, kind of work in like people's favor. Now they see like what Russia, what effects Russia would have on like a smaller piece of land, so they can see like the, so they can like, actually know like what would happen if they ultimately like all of Ukraine. Yeah, I have some cool videos too, and, but I want to hear you guys at first. But a lot of them are Russian speakers in Ukraine that are like, "Don't do this for us. Like you're saying you're doing this for us, and we don't want you to come in." And something like. 
the Ukrainian president, I'm like smitten with him now. He's like being such a superstar throughout all this, and he like have to look at his speech to the Russian people because keep in mind, Russian um, media is very censored, so they're not hearing anything except that people are being killed in Ukraine, that they're saving the Ukrainians, that they're saving them from Nazis, and the Ukrainian president is speaking in Russian, being like, "Yo." I'm a Russian Jew, like we're not Nazis here. I'm a Jewish guy, we have complete freedom. So this entire premise of this idea of where we need saving is totally, and we do need saving right now from you guys. Like we, like we are under attack, they're hurting us, they're not helping us, and this is all just a show. But what was funny is the CIA has been predicting this for a while, so I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, because they haven't done anything about it, but just predicted, and they were saying that Putin's gonna create a situation where it's looking like he has to go in. It's gonna like stage something where they have to like, if you guys saw other wars, like there was staged, like in World War One, there was that staged um, ship that was bombed. They're saying, okay, we have to go defend that. Who never even ended up doing that? He just went in, like just being like, okay, I didn't even say anything. We're just gonna go in, like we have to. So it's been really crazy. It's my yeah. Also, if you look at like Crimea, like I remember, like they like they launched that new bridge going into Crimea. Yeah, I was just so like, what you're talking about. Like, yeah, so like it's like perfect timing now because now that in 2014 they got Crimea, like okay, fine, now it's like Russian place, now we can have direct access into Ukraine. Now we have that bridge that can send tanks in from another angle from the south of Ukraine. So now like, all of that, and now that's not really has that portion. He's already far too deep, and now he's threatening nuclear weapons. So now, like once you threaten nuclear weapons, you're not just going for a small portion of Ukraine or just Ukraine. You're going in for the whole thing. That's what I mean. It just seems like this mic drop move where everyone's just kind of like, what is he doing? And it's just, and not just threatening nuclear weapons on air, like on. So it's like a thing where he's quoted on. It wasn't like his advisor saying. And then he said like. And he seems to be not like a man of his word because he's lied this entire time about not wanting to invade Ukraine. But I think when he says a threat, it's something, you know, KGB officer, he's going to act on it. The thing where, yeah, he's just trapping himself more and more into a corner. And again, he's 70, so I don't think realistically, you know, he lives to be 95. That's still not that much time left. So it's just the thing where I think he, a lot of embarrassment, like Russia's lost a lot of power since the Cold War. Remember, like the US and Russia were the biggest two powers in the world. Russia, you know, now it's more China. Um, there's the BRICS, like now Russia's been put in the BRICS economy as like up and coming economies again. So I think maybe he wants his legacy to be like, we have back that Soviet Union, um, which is super scary. Again, dealing, like, you know, the scariest villain Batman, right? He's like the Joker, the one that's like, I don't care what happens. I have no real motivation aside from just creating chaos and being okay with that. Mona? Uh, also, in terms of impact, I think everyone, how everyone's reacting. The use of social media everywhere, I think, uh, somehow like uh, reduces, I think, how people view the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, have you seen the movie that got out on Netflix, Don't Look Up? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, things are happening, but people are not really realizing this. It's like, obviously, if you go, like in like 1938, people were like seeing everything that was happening in front of them, but it's not like they could like realize really what, what was happening. Like, if you had told them that, that war would be happening and stuff. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have believed it somehow. So it's like really weird, also, to see how everyone's reacting to it, not really realizing what's happening right now. Because I, because I think social media, and because we live in this more like, uh, like modern era, where like yeah, war happened, we learned from it. It's like we did, but it's not like everyone around us like what he's doing right now. Yeah, and the memes again are like funny some of them, but are making it desensitized. That's making it like not feel real and I think a lot of times too I'm, one meme or one tweet I saw was like well we know what social media would have looked like in 1939 because you're bringing up the point like it didn't exist and 
not if you guys saw the Russian or Ukraine Twitter, they put up a picture of it's like a political cartoon of Hitler, like um Carrie holding. He has like a character and he's kind of like stroking the head of Putin and it's like being like it's passed down, like his and then everyone's like, me, 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 and you bring on the back up. Like, this is not a meme. This is like our reality right now. This is like not a joke. This is a political cartoon. Um, just expressing the reality that Scott, uh, who is modeling exactly to a T, even more brazen what Hitler did. Right? Yeah, like if you look, Ukraine, uh, Ukraine's social like media account, I think their Twitter, I mean, I've seen reposts on Instagram. They have like put like five like like memes. Yes. And it's like, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah they have like, I'll, I'll find them, but they have posted a lot of like memes um, about the situation, like how, like how bad it's getting. And I think it's quite sad as well because you, we know that younger people are on social media now. When people, they're not, like, I, I don't know, I was not an eight-year-old who spent my time watching news and learning about global politics. So it's, like, really, really sad because younger people can think this is a joke, like, when they see a meme, because they're on social media, so they'll just go, like, okay, it's a funny thing, let's make fun of it, when it's not serious, like, when it's some serious thing. Yeah, there's been a few in the U.S. that seem like, how you know, just kind of, like, good news, you've been drafted, bad news, it's not to a professional sports team, and then a lot of people would be, like, Sorry, I'm just using this as escapism in the US. And then a lot of people in Ukraine have responded being like, this isn't escapism for us, if this is really happening now, and it's kind of losing. Okay, one meme that I was like, oh, that is really interesting. I don't know if you've seen the one with like the um, Steve Buscem, the guy, he is in the show, he's like this really old white dude, and he's pretending to be a high schooler, and so he has like a skateboard over his back and like a backpack, and he's saying like, what's up fellow high schoolers? Um, it had that, and it said, what fellow allies, and it was Germany, and I was like, oh, that was funny, but I was like, oh, that is interesting, this is the first world war where Germany's like, what's up, allies, because it's always been Germany against everybody, yeah. um, so it is kind of interesting that this new, it also made me a little bit proud of, like, the history, you know, you've seen in such a short time that Germany, the ultimate enemy, too, is the one that ultimately, I think, uh, might have been the one that Putin became completely unhinged, but Germany was the one that was like, we're not doing that pipeline anymore, like, and that was might have been like the straw that really made Putin like might feel really cornered. Yeah, guys. Um, I was gonna say I follow people on Twitter and Russia and stuff, and um, they're like posting all their stories like uh, I'm proud to be Russian or uh, like there's something I keep calling support Russia or something like that. <laughs> support Russia. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, I don't know, it just goes to show that. Putin does have like a lot of power citizens, even if they don't live in Russia. Yeah, even Alice, my beloved, when I was like, are you guys okay because your family's Russian? And she's like, well, I just asked my dad, and she said that they're just bombing like military areas. I was like, they're not. And she was like, looked up, she's like, yeah, they're not. So she's like yelling at her dad, being like, all right, you need to look beyond like the, what the media is saying, because what Putin's saying is like, it's very controlled, contained ones, and, and yeah, the way Putin is painting it to the Russian people is not what the rest of the world has access to. Z. Um, I'm also like curious to know like how like China's gonna deal with this. Like what if like if they just like decide to side with Russia or something, like I think they're gonna have to say saying it's kind of scary that they are the only country that's not really saying anything. So anything that seems like the last potential that I read was them kind of siding with Russia. Not necessarily saying that they're gonna send troops but being like I see a problem with what they're doing. Yeah, so Taiwanese people are like, you don't? Like, they're just like, oh my god. Because this would also be a very good time for that to just jump in. Like, it seems like Putin did choose this pretty strategically in terms of the world's in chaos. He sees the window. Um, at this point, Russia had way more, like, 
military equipment than Ukraine. And remember too, like Trump was withholding a lot of aid to Ukraine for a while because of them not helping him like frame Biden for things. So Ukraine is was now getting their stuff back, but Ukraine was in a military position that was much less than Russia. So they wanted to attack before they had the help you that they needed. Yeah. Russia involving itself in nuclear wars, well, or even just the threat, isn't something the other countries can take lightly, like at all, because of the like arsenal they have. Like for example, they have the strongest nuclear bomb ever tested, and that was only like half its power. So theoretically, they could like destroy just like half of Europe. And they're just crazy. Like the Czech leader is saying that wasn't a bad thing. No, but they're doing crazy things. Like the Czech leader has always been kind of pro Putin, so it was a really big deal. Like he came on yesterday and said Putin's a madman, and we can't like literally use that word, and that he like wants nothing to do with him anymore. He was again very much side of Putin, but they are doing crazy things. Like if you guys saw, for example, like attacking Chernobyl and getting their hands on all these power pipes, where if they just for whatever reason wanted to take off that covering that's been covering Chernobyl, that's like a nuclear waste of all over Europe. Whether or not once or just it's also like a route to Ukraine. It's in Ukraine, but just again attacking all these different disbanded nuclear power plants that still have a ton of nuclear energy, and if they're open would take out all of Europe is something very scary. And, and then the fact that he's being called just a madman with no, doesn't really care what happens at this point. He just doesn't want to look bad and he doesn't want to look weak. He would be willing to do that is definitely, like, feels a very scary matter. Yeah, so like, discussing the Chernobyl aspect, like uh, in, in Danish, uh, like Belarus is called like White Russia. Like that's the exact right like, translation. And I was reading that in, um, from the, the shortest cutway, from Belarus, which is an ally of yeah, Russia, basically, basically Russia is to to Kiev is through Chernobyl. So they are now like they send more troops in, and they have to cut in. Well, they just took it. Like they, they yeah. Oh, they Kiev. just did. Yeah, like uh, last early late last night. They, so they had been Ukrainian. Russian forces were fighting over Chernobyl for like all night, and Russia just took it. Well, no. Well, I, I, yesterday afternoon, I was watching, and then that, they were like, oh, we have to take over because they're going to come through here with their troops. Yeah. So yeah, they, they have Chernobyl now. Uh, yes, I like to be honest, like, with how Putin is and like how he resembles so many like dictators in history, and like literally every single cause of like world wars and like big, world, like, big wars. It's gonna like I don't know if it sounds insensitive, but like it's basically what like history teaches us because like everyone says you should learn from history, right? And no one really like has so far, especially compared with Putin. I don't think it would necessarily end unless like, posing economic sanctions on him isn't gonna like stop him from his goal. Like it's it's like a really big belief of him. He's a KGB officer, he's a former KGB officer. So it's not like something that just came up in his mind that like he's been thinking about it for Yeah, in particular like for the last eight years, he's considered every economic sanction that could possibly exactly. be taken and decided it was still worth it. I feel like yeah, there's like a whole government behind him, like it's not just like unless like, oh. government is like right. actually like broken down, like he's like taken out of government like I don't know, like annex uh, but like impeached or just like taken out or even like I don't know if he has to be killed, like that's not with violence, but it wouldn't actually be solved. So. Yeah, especially because it's not like he has a lot of times you think they cut the heads off a like a terrorist group or someone else that replaces them. It seems like most leaders in Russia are very scared of him and thinking this is a very bad idea and thinking that it's very clear that Putin would be fine with having the Soviet Union back together and all of it be in poverty and disarray. He would just be like, 
SW, when everyone at Russia would be like, well, our lives are in shambles now, and how is this possibly a W? Maybe because um, that's, that's what he wants. He wants Russia to be as great as it was before the Cold War. Land-wise, yeah, but, but like, like, yeah. economy-wise, it's going to be so much worse. Maybe. Yeah. I think for like Russia, like now that they know there's no real saving anything for them, it's either if they lose this, Putin loses face, Russia loses its economy, they lose their reputation, in which case Putin's not likely to just take it sitting down. Mm -hmm. Or if they take this, take Ukraine, Putin's not likely to either sit down and be like, oh, you know, I took it, I'm happy. They're going to continue pushing. And how can NATO or any democratic group like just allow that. Yeah, or just be an incredible force that they're like, all right, yeah, one democracy. You know, it's just like a thing where, right, it's just he played these cards where I think everyone, like, I never would want to be president, ever. Anyone who says they want to be president, because even now I'm like, I have no idea what I would do. Like, I have no idea what that, what the answer is. I think Putin just played a hand where there's no right answer here at all. There's the no only finish. thing is him just being like, okay, I made my point, I'll go back to Russia. You know, it's just not obviously never happening. So the wheels are in motion for absolute chaos. And this is very good. It still doesn't feel good. But again, our conversation on Wednesday, just the fact that it went from that, and even that was scary to all of Ukraine is under attack, um, is wild. So really, every day is just going to bring new, new craziness. Yeah, like, as we're doing, like, in history right now, like, we always are doing dictators. And yesterday, we did, like, a paper one on, like, Mussolini and his invasion of Abyssinia. And literally every factor of, like, the rest of the government doesn't really support him. He's trying to restore pride. Like everything is like exactly the exactly same. same. Like it's actually like every reading these texts and everything is like exactly the yeah, same. Exactly. So I was, I was gonna say also like when Leia mentioned we have to like we have to learn from history. Like uh, in World War Two, before World War Two started, like a year before, the, there's the leader of uh, Great Britain at the time was uh, Chamberlain, and he made a deal with Hitler who was like, oh, we'll let you get this Sudetenland, or like a land of Czechoslovakia, if you go no more. And like, okay, so he goes in, he takes in, and then he goes for whole of Czechoslovakia. And the reason everyone perceives Chamberlain as weak, which and now we can be like, oh, everyone, all the NATO countries are weak, because they're not going in and helping Ukraine. They say they take over the whole of Ukraine, they're not helping them. But we have to also perceive like the war, they just came out of the war when, in World War II, they have just come out of World War One, and they've lost morale. Here, like our war is like the pandemic. All the countries have lost morale because of the pandemic, and so they still have to like rebuild. The economies have broken down from the pandemic, mm -hmm. so it's an exact same thing that they're still they're trying to gain time from trying to build up their uh, their like military. For example, like NATO, like none of the countries have like been paying their two percent need to build their military for NATO. So NATO has to now quickly rebuild their whole military. So if they invade now, NATO wouldn't be as as surprised as Russia. So it's like the same thing that maybe now we're like we're seeing NATO as weak, they're not helping. But and like maybe in history we'll be seeing them how we saw Chamberlain in the past, that he's not helping, but maybe it's just to get more time. Yeah, 100%. I agree, and I was thinking of you guys too, and I was like talking to other students about something totally different from other, and it's like, we have this like advantage, and now we know what's going on, but that's like a disadvantage too, because it brings so much frustration, so much like, just a lot of in the world is just, and like oblivious right now to, to how much this could have been avoided, or how much this has happened before, and just not learning from the past. Yeah. yeah, like I was talking to this with my parents, like it's like funny because I never really talk about world politics with them, like it's mostly like 
Lebanese, like, like Middle Eastern politics. And I actually had like interesting points to say because like, if we connect this stuff, it's like we were talking about like if we think it's gonna actually lead to a war. And like both of them said no because they wouldn't. But like the thing that I found like, a bit ironic is that um, during Biden's speech, he said we will like impose sanctions. They kept asking him if he's gonna impose sanctions on Putin, and then he would like kind of just like ignore those questions and like try to like answer other questions because and how we wouldn't go to war, but like economic sanctions are supposed to like stop him. But he's also he's not gonna talk to Putin anymore. Like, like there won't be any more relations. Like we won't talk to him, and it's like it's not. Even if he said he would talk to him, Putin doesn't seem like a person who would be persuaded very easily or like even listen to the other side's like argument, which I found like funny. It's like, it's, it's like did you see Macron, the president, just said like we invite Putin to just stop. He, he it posted it. It's, 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 it's like it's like of course he's gonna listen to him just because he said please stop it. Yeah. He's not <laughs> even like. We invite Putin to stop what he's doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think yeah. for example, like the Ukrainian president, like um, the thing when you see there, like the, right after they started bombing, bombing in IKEA, they like you're like, oh, they got he got a call from the Ukrainian president. Like, what is he gonna answer and say? Yeah, please stop bombing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, stop. It's true. Like, it's gonna. Like, 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 it doesn't even again. I and some much like better than this other discussions that are not there, but class almost over. Well, what I'm going to send you guys is all the links I have, all group them and the different things to please watch and, and during break or something. We can talk about that on Monday. But one thing was, um, again, how Putin even speaks to his own people and government. It's just like there's no talking to him now. And it's just like, a, right, there's nothing that the Ukrainian government or Biden can possibly say that, again, Putin's a lot of things. He's not. I mean, he's done some ways, but he's like clever. Like he's thought of all these different things. He's playing chess right now, and it's not like, oh, I didn't even consider that Biden would put sanctions on you. So when we need to stop, it's something that, yeah, there's there's no talking to him at this point, and there seems like there never was for the last eight years either. Well, no, I was talking to someone, and they were like, I feel like everyone is like, so no one really knows the history behind like the Russian Ukraine thing. Um, because I was talking to someone, they were comparing this to like Israel and Palestine, but it's not the same. Because, uh, like, I don't know, I feel like it's I think that maybe the only kind of similarity is, like, Israel would say this was our land before, so it's our land again. But it's way more nuanced than that. But it's also a thing where, like, Israel came back to claim land. Like, the Ukrainians have been there this whole time. And it's just like a, so yeah, not two very bad situations, but different situations. Um, what else? What time is this class over? Yeah. All right, I will send you guys in for trial if you have thoughts on anything. Again, this is from 5 a.m. in the morning, so I'm sure there'll be a million more, but as of now, there's just a few different interesting things to show the Russian protesters of Ukraine. Have you guys heard of the, uh, the ghost of Kiev? I want to bring him up too. He's just like Kiev um, pilot has taken down like seven Russian things, so he's been seen as like a hero. Snake Island, there was a group of 13 men and women that were guarding this island, and the whole Russian army came and asked them to surrender, and they said F off instead, and they all got killed, but it was again just this thing of like, Ukrainians, there's an 80 year old man shows up to enlist in the army in Ukraine, and that all just shows like, Ukraine doesn't want to be part of, like they're very proud of themselves. You guys are free to go, have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.